I am a Vox Pop winner and trailblazer for creating conscious pop, Nadia Vea, has recently released her EP single, Anxiety, in order to build awareness about important mental health concerns, as well as deliver music that connects deeply on an emotional state. Through her new release this fall, Just in Time for Spooky Season, Nadia Vea joins us today to discuss some of her other songs, influences in creating music, connecting each of her songs to an important nonprofit as well as connecting with fans and inspirations during the coronavirus. I always put out a spooky season release. So last year's was A Thousand Cuts, and we're going to be revisiting that and revamping it as an acoustic version. And we have a fun, like, swanky jazz club video for that, too. So oh, cool. <laughs> so spooky season, you must, you must love fall. What, what makes you have this tradition? Uh, I, I love, I do love fall. I love pumpkin spice everything. Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I think I'm definitely, I, I mean, horror is my favorite genre of films. I love, I love creepy things. I like to be weird and creepy. And I, I think Halloween is a fun excuse to just be, be that. So <laughs> I wish it was a longer season. Oh, true, true. <laughs> Uh, so to get into some of your music as well, so in inspiration to um, you uh, categorize yourself as conscious pop. And I, found, I find this interesting because it's I feel like, especially in this day and age, so many genres kind of overlap with each other. And so if conscious pop, what are some of your key initiatives to um, creating your sound? So overall, I, with each song I set out to embody a message and, and raise awareness. So like anxiety, obviously mental health is a big thing that we face and that we struggle with as a society. So it's a, it's a, it's a way for me to call attention to that. And uh, I amplify that by aligning with different organizations that can um, spearhead that even further and, and um, do some of the work that needs to be done. So I always align each song with a cause. And that's what I feel like makes my music conscious. Uh, in my love songs, like Boomerang, I, I aligned with a, an organization called Peace Over Violence. Mm -hmm. They work with women and children and, and even men uh, to rehabilitate when they've been in a situation that is abusive or um, unsafe at home. And uh, that's kind of where the inspiration for that song came from, is a situation that wasn't. The best so uh yeah that's kind of my whole mo and and with it being in the pop vein i i do like that i'm i'm kind of in this bubble of unknown because then i can pull from so many different genres like yeah. like a reggae pop song or i can you know pull from rock and roll or whatever so nice, nice. do you find that uh, a lot of modern pop tends to stray away from deeper conversations do you think it's has almost a bit of a reputation for not keeping in like strong um, like topics? I do feel like um, it's shifting now as indie music is kind of becoming a, a force, a greater force. Um, I think that in the mainstream realm of pop, like there's less responsibility with the messaging and there's more uh, of a drive for, you know, money and, you know, different agendas. So I think uh, that is, is actually fortunately getting better. Like people are being more aware of the things that they're saying and singing. 
So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> good shifts within the industry within the music. I mean, there's some things that are, are needing some work within the music music industry, but that's a positive one for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I remember um, reading in your bio about how like before even like in your childhood, you grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and how you began um, through singing with a youth choir. And I, I was curious how, like someone who now sings pop, how has that influenced your um, experience in developing into music? So it's definitely impacted me as an artist. Uh, I would say I have an affinity for harmonies because of my time in choir and in choirs. Um, and I do all my own BVs and I'm always like hearing like different layers because of, of how it kind of trained my ear. Um, and it exposed me to a whole different genre of music and uh, taught me a lot about arrangement um, and gave me my first instances where I was performing on stage. I definitely would not be the artist I am today without my time in choirs and in court. And also, one of my choral teachers, she opened up a whole world for me. I thought I was only an alto. I was only singing alto parts and I was like, okay, this is my box. I'm going to stay in it. And she called me up to the piano one day and she like pulled me up and she was like, no, 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 you have a whole range you don't know about. So uh, I think she kind of expanded my mind a lot and was a big force for me. Yeah, that must have been exciting, like discovering a new part of your voice and like instrument. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big day. <laughs> <laughs> and you were also in the circus. I saw this. So what are some, I guess, maybe some misconceptions people might have about the circus? Like, what is it? Is it really like um, the greatest showman and whatnot? <laughs> no, it's not as glamorous. Um, the circus is a hard life. Uh, I think, you know, it's just like any type of artistry or creative thing. There's a, a lot of hustle involved and um, you know, I think artists are very melancholy people. They have a lot of pain. So some of my circus people, you know, they were, they were dealing with a lot, but, um, my time in the circus was very pivotal and, uh, it led me back to music. So, um, I'm very grateful for having stumbled, literally like tumbled into that situation. Um, because I, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. And um, it was, it, I don't know if you want to hear the story in full, but like it was a by chance situation that I kind of- sure, Yeah, please do. <laughs> so basically one, uh, I was leaving the relationship that Boomerang is actually about um, and, or partially, Boomerang is about a few different instances. But um, so I was, moving out of my apartment I needed to do a final load of laundry and I I um, didn't have any detergent so I went down to my neighbor and asked for a cup of soap and I had really not spoken to this neighbor hardly but a few words in passing but he was always kind of this quirky fellow and I noticed all the circus gear behind him and he invited me to join training with him when I remarked oh this is really cool I've always wanted to join the circus and I began training with them and discovered I'm not agile and not, not naturally gifted in that realm of things. But I uh, did hand-to-hand -hand acrobat 
acrobatics with them for a bit and then transitioned into music and singing for the uh, for the circus shows and then met my songwriting my first real songwriting partner through there and we wrote a bunch of folk stuff and then gradually found my way to pop so <laughs> so there's a lot of collaboration in the circus and working as a team how has that um been uh, like represented in your music and like do you often collaborate with other artists and songwriters yes i feel like collaboration is the best way to learn and grow and especially that's that's one of the reasons i was led, led to los angeles is the collaborative force here is so so empowered and and uh prevalent so i uh i do a lot of co-writes i've had some guests on songs and I have more of more of that coming up in 2021 as well and um I love it I love collaborating um you use your platform for creating music for raising awareness about mental health and other social matters so do you think that music is a natural pair for social justice like and how has it helped you um develop in, in your life and your own like insight oh yes a hundred percent I think that artists are the voice of the times. And uh, if you look at any time period and you look at the music that's coming out or you look at the, the different movies and film pieces that are, are released, it, it always is a reflection of what we're going through and often provides answers on how we deal with it. And as a result for me as an artist, I've definitely seen a shift in my awareness because songwriting provides a lot of answers for me that I can then take to my audiences and hopefully transcend it over. Yeah. How do you begin the songwriting process? Do you find like you just, do you sing like the tune to yourself first or do you like develop the words? How does that work for you? So it definitely varies. Each song starts differently. I feel like um, sometimes I'll just have like two words written down. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be the hook. And then I'll go sit down with one of my buddies that's like strumming guitar or playing piano and then the rest of it will just pour out or it'll be like pulling teeth and I'm just like, can you keep playing that for like three hours? Thank you. Um, and then other times I'll just have a melody and or, or, or I'll just have a topic. It just really depends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can it be frustrating as a songwriter? Like, and like, how do you find a balance of like allowing yourself to create new ideas and then also taking a break? So it can be frustrating being a songwriter because of the business side of it. Mm -hmm. If I was just told this is all you have to do, all you have to do is write songs and sing. That's all you gotta do. I think there would probably be a lot less frustration and a lot, because when you go back and forth, like there's two different sides of the brain that that work for each. And when you're having to kind of ebb and flow between the two, it can kind of create writer's blocks, I think, because um, there's a degree of stillness you have to take before you sit down and get creative. Um, and the industry is very fast paced. So that's been my biggest frustration is like teetering back and forth between the business side of music and the creative. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm creating, there's no frustrations. It's just like, ah, release. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, um, you were a winner for the IMA uh, Vox Pop um, awards. Could you talk about that a little bit and like 
how that helped in like like with like bridging your songwriting in the business yes so that win actually came at a very low point of quarantines i was like you know in my feels really bad you know like what am i doing with my life is this you know and it, it just came through at a really angels been <laughs> out because um it, it felt really good to kind of have a song acknowledged and especially a song that's really so important to me um and I think like that was a, a very affirming moment of like okay my efforts here are being you know okay we're on track so it was good nice, nice. how is it how is the coronavirus especially impacted um your career has it been difficult to gain momentum or is it like do you find it's a new time to think about things differently i think there's a lot of good and then there's obviously some bad but overall i would say it's been nice to have more time to really zero in on what it is that i'm doing how i want to do it um and what it is that i want to say the um the, the, I think the toughest part is with releasing music, you know, we don't have the ability to go do shows and, and hype up new songs as, as much. So it does require us getting a lot more creative in the internet landscape. Um, so it's kind of been fun in a way to also exercise our creative side in that realm and on how we're gonna better reach people without the normal things we had as tools. Yeah. So you mentioned that you'll be producing a music video for Anxiety that will be released this season. Um, like definitely tapping into technology and like um, social media and like being able to be remote. Um, what's the process of creating a music video like? So this video we actually did in person. We already filmed it. We had a, a great uh, crew of people that we all remained, you know, socially distanced. We had like a very different crafty situation on set with food. Um, we had to definitely take different precautions than before, but uh, this is just gonna be like a standard music video um, situation. I thought about doing the animated video route, but it so happened we were able to pull together a team and kind of have a degree of normalcy in, in how we were gonna create this. And I'm so excited for this video. It's um, definitely, a step up from my my previous videos and I'm really excited. Oh cool. <laughs> Is it uh what's that like seeing almost a, a seeing a song become like physical? Is that <laughs> it's like birthing a child. I mean I've never had a child so I can't really speak on that but it is like <laughs> oh my god you're gonna we're gonna save for you to go to Harvard like you know like you just like you really get amped up and you're like this is my my baby. And just in general, how, how has it been connecting with your fans? Like what is, um, how do you normally communicate? Is it through like Twitter or Instagram? I would definitely say Instagram is my biggest platform that I use. Um, I've been especially with the release of anxiety, been able to have more conversations with my fans and followers about mental health. And I feel like that's kind of helped bridge the gap further. And uh, it's also been helpful in my own mental health and healing journey because I've been hearing so many different people's stories and it just 
makes you feel less alone. So yeah. I love it. And for anxiety, um, the you aligned the song with Music Cares, which is a nonprofit um, associated with the Recording Academy that raises critical funds that directly support music people in need. What made you decide to align this song with this nonprofit? Well, with the pandemic making the musician's life immensely more difficult, we, we already had odds against us. Yeah. It just really felt like it was the right thing to do because they, they really do also zero in on mental health. Not only do they provide resources, uh, funds and things, but they also provide mental health resources as well. So I, I really thought it was the right thing to do. Um, and with the song's subject matter, you know, um, I hope that it can make a way for my music brothers and sisters and we can come out on top of this time and you know, revamped, uh, a revamped music industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you find that it's almost been a time for, um, do you find it like in the music industry in general, do you find that you've been able to maybe produce things or like work on things on your own that like maybe in the past you wouldn't have been able to just like you become your own kind of, I don't know how to put this exactly, but you become like your own source for like writing the song, performing, producing, publicizing. So definitely have gained a lot more independence because of having more stillness. I never really had a grasp on Pro Tools and how to produce my own vocals before this. Like I kind of had like a general idea. I was like, okay, this is how this works. But I was able to record some demos and some of my songwriting sessions, virtual songwriting sessions. And I was like, oh, this is tough. <laughs> and I actually learned that there's a techie side to me that enhances my singing because I'm thinking about the technical side of tracking myself versus the singing. So I kind of went into that. Nice, nice. <laughs> Discovering that is cool. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I guess just like um, with the general, like I remember reading that a lot of your musical influence, um, like you have a lot, your father's from Lebanon. Am I, is that correct? Yes. So how is the, um, were, um, how was he influential to developing your music? My dad is a music lover. His father was a musician. He played violin and the oot and all these different instruments. Um, and I think his affinity for music really helped me develop a vast, you know, taste for, for different genres. And um, I think, you know, he always had like so much classic rock ringing through the house. He had a lot of uh, French albums from different artists that would ring through. Uh, I, I definitely don't know if I would have the ear that I have if I, if he wasn't my dad. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's really cool. It's, especially it's just like with music, I feel like there's suddenly like, like as I was saying earlier, there's almost like not as many like exact genres, they all kind of blend together. When you're creating music, are there certain elements that you want to make sure are in each song? Is there like a checklist? It, de it depends on the song, like with the song Yo-Yo, which is one of my earlier releases. I really wanted this reggae, like kind of like 
just but I just wanted to feel like it had an island undertone and we accomplished that kind of through the guitars and the drums so if uh, like and then with anxiety I was like I really want to feel I want people to feel anxious and I think the best way to do that is to hone in on the, the rocker sound and like get a little edgy with some of the tones we use so we actually have thunder in that song we have you know, a bunch of just random things that kind of to evoke that feeling of being put on edge. Um, but I, I definitely, with each each song, I like to zero in on a on different. Like we we will uh, find pop songs that we draw inspiration from, but then we'll also find songs from different genres that we can pull sound inspirations. From. Yeah, it was interesting how you mentioned how anxiety makes you feel anxious. And it's like, and I remember like listening to it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, uh, what was I anxious about beforehand? <laughs> but it, it's, it definitely has that feeling to it. Do you often um, find that you want your listeners to listen with a certain mindset, like to your music in general? I think whatever it is that a listener arrives to my song and what they need, I want them to feel it. So like, and that's why with the way that I write, I don't, uh, I try to keep it open-ended where people can take what they need. The, um, the like for, for anxiety, my, my personal goal when I was writing it is like, how can I convey to somebody who's never had an anxiety attack or never experienced anxiety, what this feels like so maybe they can empathize with their friends or their family a little more. And I also convey to somebody who does experience those things that they're not alone. So um, I hope I adequately answered that question. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. Because even if it's like, of course, anxiety is not necessarily a, um, a pleasant feeling to have. And like listening to it can be like, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, like to bring these feelings afloat. But then it also brings awareness and almost like a sense of acceptance that this is what's happening and, and it's normal. Right, which I think, like, while the song is, is, a, is, is meant to make you feel on edge, I think there's also a sense of peace at the close, like, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a normal human process, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So are there any other um, current projects that you'd like to share? Like, you mentioned that um, it will be, the four-part EP will be re released in 2021, but other song ideas or other areas of um, mental health that you're focusing on? So um, we're definitely going to be revisiting the Thousand Cuts in, in October. Bamt is like this stripped back version. Uh, for the holidays, I have a revisitation of my last year's holiday release as well called Holidays and Confused. And it's a lot more intimate and almost a little more emotional because of that. And then I also have a new holiday song called Christmas Card. So that's kind of how we're going to be closing out the year. And then in 2021, I have a ton of singles, possibly my first album, depending upon how things are with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a lot more music for everybody. So we're going to be aligning with a, a lot, a lot of different causes for that too. For the holidays, I'll be revisiting my, my song Holidays and Confused. So I'll be shining light again on Alliance of Hope, which is an amazing organization based out of Hawaii that finds, that helps uh, 
people who have experienced the loss of suicide, give them therapy, give them therapy, um, give them with the tools to handle and, and heal. So, how do you think the holidays will be different this year? Like, uh, all things considered, like with the pandemic, but do you find that the music or like the spirit will be different? I definitely think there's going to be a lot less of the like the most wonderful time, like yeah, <laughs> a lot of a, a more real lens on things. Um, I do think it's going to be less consumer focused and hopefully more focused on gratitude and the togetherness aspect. And uh, that's, I think that you know it's been a really tough year. So mental health and and you know, suicide is obviously on the rise as a result. So typically around the holidays, that's when a lot of that stuff gets really swept out from under the rug anyway. So I think that it's going to be very imperative that there is a sense of unity and conversations are really left open. Yeah, yeah. How do you suggest people handle um, these conversations and just, I guess, awareness? I think like the biggest piece to healing is just opening yourself up to it. And that means maybe sharing things that you thought were only meant for the confines of your mind, because you'd be surprised how many people have probably struggled with that. And just in releasing anxiety and, and talking a little bit about my experience with anxiety and depression and, and how it's impacted my life, I think like, vulnerability is 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 a, a very difficult thing and and it i do so i do a lot of it in my songwriting but i've never really stepped out of the bubble of songwriting which has a little bit of a filter anyway because there's uh but this is the first time i ever i ever did something like that and the shift that has occurred since doing that for my confidence self-worth uh connectivity to the world around me and the people around me has been just Beautiful. So that's what I would encourage for, for anyone listening or anyone who is struggling is just, you know, you don't have to get on your Instagram like I did and talk about it, but just having conversations with people about what's going on up here, because then we can create more connection between mind and body and therefore create more happiness. And yeah. <laughs> and like with pop music, do you find that the concert setting is like, how would you describe the concert setting for pop music? So I think it's definitely fun. Like people really want to know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, so now that I've done shows in Europe and the US, there's a definite difference in how music, live music is consumed. I feel like in the States, people go to shows to like meet up with their friends and hang out and like, which is great. But in the UK, people go for the music and they hang on your every word. They are just, they are like to like be immersed. Um, but pop, sh pop shows, I think versus like a rock and roll or like, you know, metal show, like there's a lot more attentiveness to the, what's being said because the words are a big, big part of the songs. Wow. Hey, this is Nancy. Thanks for listening in today at 91.3 FM WTSR. Remember to check out more content online at WTSR.org, on the air, or on our Spotify and Captivate channels. And as always, we remind you to open your mind.